Hi friends, Gerald Law here. Welcome to the Love Lake Norman podcast. Love Lake Norman is a church in Cornelius, North Carolina, whose mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. You're about to hear a message that will be helpful and hopeful. Our goal is to encourage you to take the next step in your faith. Wherever you are, we want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, hey, my name is Ethan, and I'm so glad that you're checking this out. We are in a last week of a series called Back on Track, and we're talking about something that's not talked about a ton, especially in church, and that is mental health. And today I want to talk about isolation. Now, there's a unique thing about isolation. It can weave itself into other areas of mental health, especially uh, the areas that we've talked about in the past few weeks. Now, if you weren't able to check those out, I would love to encourage you to go to YouTube and to find those. We talked about addiction and anxiety and depression. So this is how isolation can work. Anxiety can make you go into isolation. And at the same time, the more isolated you are, the more your anxiety can grow. Depression can make you do a dive into isolation and isolation can make you go into a deeper depression. Addiction, well, it can make us feel isolated even if we're surrounded by other people. And isolation can fuel our addictions. So my hope for today is to start a conversation about taking a step out of isolation. And let me just echo something that, that Gerald has done in the other, other series, other weeks, uh, and say this. I am not the smartest person in any room. If I say anything uh, that's close to being intelligent today, it's because I stole it. I stole it from the Bible. I stole it from Gerald. I stole it from uh, Dr. Henry Cloud. If, if I sound smart at all, it probably didn't come from my brain. I stole it, okay? I just want to say that right now. I'm never the smartest person in the room unless I'm in the room by myself. That's the only time. Now, maybe you have, you've struggled with isolation before. Maybe you feel isolated while you're watching this video right now. And you're thinking, I'm glad that we're actually talking about this. I'm glad that someone is talking about this issue. But maybe for some of you, you're thinking the exact opposite. You're thinking, I'm not isolated. I'm surrounded by people. I have friends and family. I'm actually never alone. I mean, I get it. I have three kids of my own. Sometimes I hide in the bathroom just to get five minutes to myself. Parents watching this, you might feel the same way. What I want to say to everyone watching this right now is this. The opposite of isolation isn't always surrounding yourself with people. Being surrounded by people, well, it isn't the opposite of isolation. So to help us walk through this issue today, I want to share one of my favorite moments in the Bible. One of my favorite moments in the entire Bible, and we find it in the Old Testament. And it happens so quickly that if we're not careful, well, we kind of just read right past it. And we can miss this incredible life-changing moment. We find it in 2 Samuel chapter 9. King David, um, he, he asked, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now, let me stop there. This is not normal. This is not normal. Usually after a king would take his throne, he would have the entire lineage of the previous king 
kind of wiped off the face of the earth. And in this case, that would have been the lineage of King Saul. But since King David and Jonathan were BFFs forever, Jonathan was Saul's son, he had made a promise to honor the lineage. He was not going to go the traditional route and have them wiped off the face of the earth. What a nice guy, right? So verse 2 says, Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. The king asked, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness? Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. You see, years back, Israel had went to war with the Philistines, and in the battle, both Jonathan and King Saul were killed. When the news reached their five-year-old son, Mephibosheth, or Mephibosheth, tomato-tomato kind of thing, that his dad and his grandfather were dead, well, his nurse took him to flee. And in that rush, in that moment, he fell. He fell and he, he broke his feet or his legs and became lame. He, he couldn't use his legs any longer, age five on. So David now knows about Mephibosheth. Verse 4 says this, Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, He is at the house of Maker, some son of Emil in Lodeber. So King David had him brought from Lodeber, from the house of Maker, son of Emil. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him, to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, and he replied, at your service. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Verse 8 says, Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Notice what Mephibosheth says. He says he calls himself a dead dog. A dead dog that doesn't even uh, deserve to be noticed. Now, like I said, he had uh, a physical ailment since age five. But I would imagine that this comment about being a dead dog, well, it comes from years of being looked down on. It comes from years of, of not being cared for, years of not being included. I would imagine for most of his life, Mephibosheth felt isolated, that he didn't feel like part of society, that he felt like the world and everyone around him had forgotten about him completely. Verse 9 says this, Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now, now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Verse 11 says, Then Ziba said to the king, Your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. And this is how it ends. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Despite of his, his physical ailments and the fact that he was a direct lineage of a former king, Mephibosheth 
was invited to have a seat at the king's table for the rest of his life. I mean, it's such an incredible story, but what does it mean to us today? Well, the first thing is this, and it might be a little surprising. I want you and I, I want us to look at Mephibosheth's boldness. His boldness. Now, when you think of bold characters, um, especially in the Bible, maybe uh, this is not really on par with what you're thinking. Maybe this man doesn't stand out to you. But let me explain why I think this is a story about Mephibosheth's boldness. Mephibosheth sat down at the table. And maybe you're thinking, wait, well, I sit down like 30 times a day. I, that's not bold. That's kind of being lazy. Listen, I realize how that sounds. It doesn't sound bold sitting down. But the truth is, King David could have offered him that seat. And Mephibosheth could have said, you know what? I appreciate it, man. Thank you. But I'm good. I'm okay. I'm doing just fine. You know, I, I struggled most of my life. I don't really feel like I, I, I belong. I don't really have any friends. I don't have much. But, and, and you know, I kind of have this dead dog thing going on. I kind of smell weird. I look weird. I'm a, I'm a dead dog. But I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm okay. I'm doing okay. That could have, and it would have ended that way. But by sitting down, by Mephibosheth sitting down, in my opinion, it's his way of saying, I'm not okay. I've been mistreated most of my life. I'm not okay. I want to belong. I want to be known. I want someone to care for me. I want to share my life with people around me. I'm going to sit down with you at this table. Mephibosheth was passed, out, passed by millions of times a day. But he was still isolated. So we see that the solution to isolation isn't more people. It isn't more people. The opposite of isolation is vulnerability. The opposite, the cure for isolation is vulnerability. Vulnerability. It's having the boldness to say, I'm not doing okay. I'm not doing okay. We always say, it's okay to not be okay. Especially after 2020, that kind of became an anthem to say, hey, listen, if you're not okay, it's okay to tell us, let us know. But do we ever say it? We say it's okay to not be okay, but we never say, I'm not okay. We never say, I'm broken. I'm alone. I'm tired of living this way. I need help. We always say it's okay not to be okay, but we never go to a trusted friend and say, I'm struggling with addiction. I can't shake it. I don't feel worthy of love. I'm having these thoughts of, of hurting myself. I'm not okay. Saying those words, they do not make us weak. They do not make us weak. Have you ever um, been in the woods or near a creek or maybe even in your, like your backyard in your flower bed and you saw a pretty big rock and you flipped it over and <laughs> you see some like really gross, slimy things living under that rock? And it's like, oh, no wonder it was hidden. That's kind of gross and slimy and 
I'm going to put that back. Vulnerability, it turns over all the rocks in our lives. And it actually shows the parts that we're trying to hide. It shows the ugly parts that we're trying to hide. And let me just address the elephant in the room. Maybe you're thinking this. If I am vulnerable with someone and they see my flaws, they will run away. They will run away. I mean, if this is how you feel right now, if they seem the real me, they'll run. If that's how you feel, you're with great company because I feel the same way. And so does every other human being on this planet. Everyone feels that way. If you see the real me, if you lift up the rocks and you see the gross, the ugly, the broken, oh, you're going to run because you won't like it. That if someone sees the real me, they're just going to turn and run. But what we've seen, what I've seen, what I believe is true, if you're vulnerable to someone you trust, I would say they're not going to run away. What you will see is an increase in trust. Your trust between that person will increase. And an increase in respect. And a new level, a deeper level in that relationship. So I want to offer some, some next steps for us. Some next steps for, for uncovering, for, for flipping over those rocks in our lives. The first thing is this. And it's all about practice, right? Like, I think this is an ongoing thing forever, right? I mean, it's not a one and done thing and we're fixed for the rest of our lives. It's practicing this. So the first thing is this. Practice being around people. Now, listen, I'm aware that I just said like five seconds ago, you don't have to be around people. You can still feel isolated around people. I, I understand that. That surrounding yourself doesn't solve isolation. But maybe for you, during COVID, you got comfortable by physically being alone. And now that things are kind of opening back up and getting back to some sort of, of normal, you are uncomfortable around people. If you find yourself running from people, hiding from conversations, or not leaving your house because you don't want to be near anyone else, then maybe you need to practice being around people. Now, I get that people are introverted, I married an introverted person. Uh, I don't get it because I'm super extroverted, but I'm learning that people need time alone. Also, it's not terrible for any of us to be alone at times. I mean, Jesus himself went away on a regular basis to pray and to connect with God. Author Henry Cloud said this, There is a difference between solitude and isolation. One is connected and one isn't. Solitude replenishes isolation diminishes. So if you're introverted, no, no, you need your time. If you're going away to pray or to read your Bible or to talk to God, or if you're a parent and you just need five minutes in the bathroom alone, I get it. But if it's day after day of being alone, practice being near someone. That's your first step. Practice being near some people. Life is best when you share it with other people. The second thing is this. If you have someone in your life who you trust, practice being vulnerable. 
Practice saying, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. I'm struggling. I'm hurting. If we want to be fully known and fully loved, we have to take a step into sharing our entire life. We have to start flipping over those stones. Now, should this be done with a teenager working at the cash register at Harris Teeter that you met 30 seconds ago? Absolutely not. Do not share your entire life story with that cashier. You're going to scare them away. Should this be done with your neighbor who loves to share all the juicy gossip with her friend group? No, 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 no. Please do not do this. Should this be done on Facebook? Absolutely not. Do not share your entire life story on Facebook. But can this be done with your spouse, with a close friend, with your parent, with someone here at Love Lake Norman? Absolutely. Absolutely it can. They're not going to run away. They're going to respect you more. They're going to trust you more. And you're going to give them the opportunity to do the same thing. Being vulnerable, showing our broken and ugly sides, it actually does more than take us, up, take us out of isolation. It does more than take us out of isolation. It connects us to the gospel. It connects us to the gospel. The gospel ultimately is the only thing that can make us whole. The only thing that can, can fix our broken, fix our ugly. The picture of King David's relationship with Mephibosheth, well, it's a clear parallel to the relationship that Jesus offers. His life, his death, and resurrection allows a relationship with God. Jesus trades his righteousness for my sin. 2 Corinthians 12.9 says, but he, said to, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. In weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. This means I do not have to present myself perfect to God. I do not have to lie or pretend to, that I'm okay to God. For him to love me, for him to notice me, I don't have to do that because his power works through my weakest parts, my ugliest parts, my broken parts. God loves me where I am and sent Jesus so that his power may work through my weakness. A few minutes ago, I said there were two viewpoints of this story that I really wanted to hit. And, and obviously one was Mephibosheth's, right? But the other part is, is King David's side. King David, we can learn a lot from, from what he does in this interaction. For us today, we need to remember this, to reach out to someone. Don't assume that people are okay because they look okay. Be there for people around you. And when someone is bold enough to come to you and say, I'm not okay, respond with grace and humility and kindness. Mephibosheth, he was, was able to eat at the king's table, not because of anything he had done. His resume wasn't impressive. But 
he was able to sit there because who he was. Because who he was. Simple as that. He was lineage. And so he had a seat. God has said many things about you. I'm not sure if you know this. He has said many things about you. He has done many things for you, but he said things about you. You can go in the Bible and you can read all these things that, that you're his child, that you're made in his image, that you have value, that you're holy and dearly loved. I mean, let me look at you right now. And let me say this. You are worth God sending his son to die for. You're worth that. You are. And he knows everything about you. The Bible says that he knows the number of hairs on our head. He knows everything about you. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And he chooses to love us still. He chooses to love us. It's an incredible thing. You and I, just like Mephibosheth, have been offered a seat at the table, not because of anything we've done, but simply because of who we are. So Mephibosheth, he chose to sit down. He, he, he chose the seat and sat down. So my question for you today is this. Will you choose to sit at the table? Let me pray for us. God, I thank you for everyone hearing my voice right now. I pray that anyone feeling isolated would be bold enough to find someone, a trusted friend or a spouse, and to be vulnerable, to say, I'm not okay. And here's where I'm not okay. I pray for that boldness for myself as well. God, thank you for sending Jesus so that we may have a relationship with you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. If you're not near our church, we want to encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.